Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Sitting here with Tom Dorian, trusty sidekick. You got the voice on, don't you? Wingman. Yeah, I put it on every once in a while. I love it. There's a little button I push on my console here. Don't you wish you had like one of these you could walk around in life with? Oh, man, that'd be so awesome. Yeah. You know, when I was a a younger man, (laughs) I had one of those little voice changer things that you would put on, like the Darth Vader thing. (laughs) You know, that was cool. But uh, now I'd rather have my radio voice. Because you know when I'm out just talking to folks, it's like, hi, how's it going? You know, that's not as impressive as the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. There you go. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, and we could do like movie promos. We could. In a world, you know, (laughs) where Catholicism... (laughs) You know, it's under attack. Exactly. No, it's under attack. <laughs> anyway, this is the stupidest show we've ever started. I'm so sorry. We apologize. I we started. Would, it's my fault. We already rolled the tape, and it's all the tape we got, so we're going to have to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're doing a great show today. Because, hey, before we start, by oh, the way, sorry. has anybody ever publicly thanked you for doing this show? N- my mother. You, you know, know what? My mother's Seriously, a big fan. thank you for everything you do. Look, Tom, that's a wonderful. The Order, the order of Malta, they should be thanking you. They do. They do thank us. I'm, we I'm love being the Order of Malta because they they, uh, they support us. Right. The Order of Malta does, and uh, I no, do. but I know it's a lot of work. A lot of work behind the scenes. It's, I do. We do appreciate you. It's a gift, Tom. You are such a fine human being, and so <laughs> I'm just so thankful that you are uh, that you're sitting here. Uh, with me and support of me. And I'm thankful for you, Wayne too. man, I'm here yes. for you, brother. Amen, brother. Well, look, let's get so into the show. So what you got on your show today there, buddy? You know what? We're just going to kind of... It better be good. It's great because right. it's it's something we all need to hear. It's something okay. that I needed to hear for a long time. And we're talking... We're in the middle of Lent when most folks are going to hear this show. Okay. And, of course, Lent, we all know, we start right off the bat, we start talking about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Right. And everyone's like going, oh, yeah, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. It's Lent it's again. Like whatever. It's really the only time we ever start talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have sort of downplayed the importance of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving during Lent. I agree. And I thought, well, you know what? We as a couple of regular Catholic guys need to kind of figure out, well, how do we deal with this? And what, what, why are these things so important? And where sure. does this come from? Yep. Right? So one of the readings that we do... In during Lent, it rolls around every every year or so. Is is this the the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, Matthew. Well, it starts in Matthew chapter five, but Matthew chapter six mm-hmm. is sort of in the in the middle. The Sermon on the Mount is so long, right? That uh, they break it up into you know a couple of chapters. But mm-hmm. in chapter six, Jesus is doing. Of course, we know the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. because it's it's teaching about, the, you know, of course, the Beatitudes. Right. Right. Uh, you know, Jesus teaches on the law and anger, adultery, divorce, judging others, false prophets, you know, all these different things he talks about. Mm-hmm. But he kind of slips in the middle there, mm-hmm. and he's talking about almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Something right? we do during Lent. That's right. And, and he talks about them in the, that order. Now, he's not saying, now, during Lent, we need to do these things. <laughs> right. And, and but in Lent is a great time for us right. to look at these things, sure, uh, because it's a it is a it's a perfect time mm-hmm. for sort of self recollection, self reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we doing? Where are we in our lives? Where are we in our Lent? But where are we in our lives? Right. And so you start to look at these um, 
these things. And, and you, then you wonder, where am I in my almsgiving or my prayer or my fasting? And so I want to kind of go through these just a little bit. Let's now, of course, the, the primary focus Jesus has during the Sermon on the Mount for almsgiving, prayer, and fasting is that we do them. Well, first of all, he doesn't say, uh, you know, when you do this or if you do this, right? He says do it. Well, right, exactly. Well, he actually says when you do it. He doesn't say if you do it. Right. If you're ever going to give alms, right. then you need to do it like this, in secret. If you're ever going to pray, then pray in secret. He he's doesn't be, say that. He's presuming we do it. Well, he says when you do it, right. meaning you need to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I guess the point is we need to first understand that aspect that we need to do it. And then he's also talking about not doing it for show because then we're kind of like losing the point of why we do it. Right. It's all about, you know, give my reward now um, to uh, give me my, my reward. I want it now. But he's saying you've already got your reward. Right. Right. So you don't need to, you don't need to uh, uh, do this for show. I'll do it in public. Yeah. Now, it's not bad that we would pray in public. I mean, if I'm at McDonald's, which, by the way, I don't go to McDonald's, but if I did go to McDonald's, not because I don't like McDonald's, right? but there's not good food for me. Right. And uh, so, but when I'm in public and I'm eating somewhere, let's say I'm having a nice salad. Yeah. Right? Whatever restaurant I've chosen. Well, it's okay to do the sign of the cross and pray sure. there. Jesus is not saying don't do that. The point is, don't do it for show. Exactly. Right? So looking at these three things, prayer and fasting and almsgiving, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I want to go down this list and we'll, and we'll, and we'll talk about them uh, in the way that uh, they are presented. Mm-hmm. Usually when we say those three things, we say prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. That's the way it's always kind of said mm-hmm. in parish bulletins and in mm-hmm. commentaries or what prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. But I'm going to do it in the way that Jesus taught them. And he taught first almsgiving. And the reason I'm starting there is, uh, is I think that a lot of people have kind of forgotten the almsgiving part. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that a lot of us are hurting financially. I know there's a lot of us who um, maybe struggle with where the money's going in the church, and they want to be—I um, don't know—they want to be in control of that money and not just turn it over. And it's interesting that that a lot of folks have started to use their um, their money to sort of they vote to vote. Yeah, right. Well, we don't like Father So and So, or I don't like that ministry, and right. so I'm going to hold back the money. And yeah. if it gets really bad, then I'm walking. Right. So we vote with our wallets and we vote with our feet so often. And yet Jesus doesn't talk about this. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'd say to the person, but I refuse to serve, I, to, to, to pay or support that ministry or that person or whatever. And I'd say, well, I don't know if that's the right attitude, but I will say this. You better do some almsgiving. You better find something to support. You know, because what ends up happening kind of is... directing us to. Yeah, well, if you end up having... Keeping the money, holding on. And I guess it's not always just the money, but it's really any treasures. It's counter. Yeah, exactly. You start to, now you're hoarding, you're, you're right. collecting, you're refusing to give alms. Right. Because, and you should give to the point where it is painful. Sure. And I know that sounds weird, but a lot of people think, oh, the Lord doesn't want me to be in pain. It's like, well, let's think about redemptive suffering and, and think, well, you know. But I also, think, too, it's not yours. To, it's really not yours. That's a great point. That's a great point. All the things that we have is from him. Essentially, they're lent to us right. to be used by us for his purpose, to, for his glory. Right. And so, you know, we need to keep, we need to keep everything in play. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't mean we empty our bank account. Right. You know, and I admire those people that can kind of live that way. I can't sure. live that way. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's not ours. 
We don't hoard and we don't keep. And so giving alms, especially during Lenten times, is a time for us to reflect, well, am I being supportive of the church? Right. I mean, the church is not a for-profit business. As long as, as many, so many people think that like the Vatican is super wealthy and it has all these very valuable paintings. And if you stop and think about all the artwork in the Vatican Museum or whatnot, what gives it its value is the subject matter. Right. It's not because this is a, a, a sculpture by Michelangelo. Right. Of course it's valuable. But, you know, if you sold everything that the church had, Mm-hmm. Everything and gave it all to the poor, you would you would not eliminate poverty. poverty. Right, there will always be poverty. I mean, Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like there's always going to be people who are in want and in need, and so just dumping money on a solution is not. But it's that spirit of giving, right? And I think the way you put it, where that's not our stuff that's anyway, not. right? Is is a, is a healthier attitude to help people understand that that this is something that we do. Out of love and out of trust of God, mm-hmm. that we would we would want to give of ourselves. So almsgiving is something that we need to do, mm-hmm. and it's not something that we really should have a choice. Now I understand also there are people who are experiencing financial hardship, and so maybe you can't give alms. Maybe you have you're you're, you're on the maybe you're receiving the gifts of others. Sure. Well, God bless you, and that's and that's a that's a beautiful thing. But the question is, what can you give? Right. Is there some, there's, you know, there's always going to be someone worse off than you. Find that person and, and either give of your time, you know, reading to the elderly, uh, people that are lonely, spending time with lonely people, you know, uh, in, in the, you know, we were just talking before the show and we were talking about somebody who's very lonely. And the thing is to spend time with somebody, even when it's painful sometimes is really, that's giving alms. That is, you're right. It's giving of what you are the guardian of. Whether it's your time, talent, or your treasure, yeah. right? And to be able to give that for the glory of the Lord is a powerful thing. And Lent's an especially good time for us to reflect and kind of figure out what we're doing, Oh yeah, right? So then the, the Lord now, you know, chapter 6 starts with teaching about almsgiving, right? And then next he talks about teaching about prayer. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's talking again about praying in secret, mm-hmm. right? And not making your public prayer Right. And your public pronouncement so that people look at you and go, you are such a holy person. Pious Pete. That's exactly right. You don't want to be the pious Pete, right? Right. And, and then immediately afterwards, he tells people how to pray. And he mm-hmm. gives them the Our Father. Mm-hmm. Matthew chapter 6. It's such a beautiful prayer. And so we've, we've said that often many times. But again, prayer is fundamental to the Christian experience. Because otherwise, we would be detached from God. Mm-hmm. Right? We'd be separated from God. And, and that's something that is, uh, I don't know, it just is counter-Christianity, mm-hmm. right? Jesus, God, took on flesh. So he came to us in order to engage us in a conversation. So when we're not praying, we're not conversing. We're not engaging. We're not engaging. We're not listening. We're not talking. We're not doing anything. We're separated from God. And so and a lot of people think, well, but I pray. And Jesus did teach us the Our Father. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray the Our Father, but are there other times in your life where you really were, where God actually hears the groanings of your heart, and then you're quiet and you listen for His words of mercy and comfort and love? You know that's prayer. And when we don't pray, then we're separating ourselves from God. Right. You know, and and I know we can get into life and so many things that we're so busy. And so if someone says, "When do you pray?" 
I remember growing up, and the only time I really ever prayed was that prayer we all memorized, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which you're about to receive. And we did it because we wanted to eat. And if we didn't do the prayer, you know, our parents would look at us funny or say, you're not going to eat, young man, until you say your (laughs) prayers. Right. I don't know at that point if I was actually praying to God or I was just saying, you know, I want to eat this food, so I'm going to say these words, and I'm going to say it just like you want it, and make it sound pretty so I can eat this food. Amen. You know, that's essentially (laughs) what my prayer was, you know. But so I think God wants genuine prayer. We're all like that, though. That's a continuing battle, don't you think? Yes. We're always like that. But we got to continue. And we're supposed to pray constantly. Yep, without ceasing. Yep, yep, exactly right. It's hard to do. And it is hard to do, but I think it's necessary. I totally agree with that. So what's also necessary is that we uh, take a break. Segway King. That's right. And so uh, this, my lovely wife is going to talk about St. Rose of Lima. All right. Oh, yeah. And she's all about the prayer. And she's all about the fasting. So you just wait. We're going to talk about fasting in the next segment. So I want you to come back before we do that. I uh, want to remind folks at home, we got a website that you need to visit, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And then also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. Deacon so would Jeff. I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, well, tell me about Tom and your email to me, Deacon <laughs> Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Be nice, be nice. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Isabel Flores de Oliva was born to a large family in Lima, Peru in 1586. Even as a child, her holiness was apparent. It is said that a servant of the household once saw her face transformed into the likeness of a rose, hence her nickname, Rosa. At her confirmation at age 11, she took the name Rose. Saint Rose knew at a very young age that God was calling her. Even as a teenager, she devoted herself to prayer and gave up many of the comforts of life in order to unite herself more fully to the suffering of Christ. Having read a biography of St. Catherine of Siena, she began to take her life of self-denial more and more seriously, even to the objections of her parents and friends. She first fasted three times a week, then offered a daily fast. This led her to abstain from meat and perpetuity. When she began to be admired for her beauty and devotion, she cut off her hair. If ever she doubted her path of suffering and self-denial, she was encouraged by visions, revelations, visitations, and comforting voices. She received the Eucharist daily, deriving from the Blessed Sacrament the grace and consolation to carry on. At the age of 20, St. Rose took a vow of virginity and joined the Dominicans. With permission of her order, she moved into a small grotto built in her parents' garden and lived there in a spirit of prayer and penance. While St. Rose spent much time in prayer, she still found time for acts of charity. She sought out the sick, the poor, and the forgotten in her community and brought them to her home to care for them. St. Rose never lost sight of the power and effectiveness of self-denial when it was offered up to God. Her entire life was a testament to the total, self-giving love demonstrated by Jesus' willingness to suffer for our sins. She wrote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up his voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. 
Let men take care not to be stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise, and without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. St. Rose of Lima died in 1617 and was the first person born in the Americas to be canonized as a Catholic saint. Her feast day is August 23rd. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we are talking about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Yes, we are. And we have already uh, covered... Almsgiving. Yeah, almsgiving, and we talked about prayer. A little bit. And, you know, it's not that uh, uh, we're going to count all this stuff and say Mm -hmm. during Lent you've got to do X number of these and X number of those. No. But to understand the concept, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people forget to do some of these things. Right, because we talked about earlier that you right. get busy. Yeah. Right? And we just had the, the if you were listening to the, uh, you didn't go get like a ham sandwich during the break there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, Bess, talking about St. Rose of Lima. I mean, she devoted her life to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why they have that little saint part in front of her name. Uh, holy, holy woman. And and I not that we're all called to to do the extreme but we are all called to be saints, which means uh, totally. that giving of ourselves, so in our in alms, whether it's it's money, support, uh, it can really just be encouragement as well. But then also having that conversation with prayer in prayer with God. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're kind of like charting your own path. You're just kind of well, you're not even charting a path. You're just kind of bebopping through life. Well, but you might be in your own world. You've chosen where you're going to go, and you're yeah. not listening to any kind of change in course along the mm-hmm. way. And that's that's the difficulty and why prayer is so powerful. And there's so many different forms of prayer in the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. It's not like we just have to do this. Well, it's just one kind of prayer, right? Right. But there's so many different whether it's meditative, contemplative. Uh, just vocal prayer, free form, uh, praying the the words of Scripture, you know, Lectio Divina, Divina and, and uh, charismatic. Um, char- well, you know, charismatic stuff. It's a whole nother little wing yeah. of of uh, of encouragement with the Holy Spirit and whatnot. These are all powerful things to do, and not everything suits every person mm-hmm. because we're all different. But mm-hmm. we are all made in the image and likeness of God, so we all need to be praying because God said we need to pray. Yep. Right. When you pray, mm-hmm. right, don't heap up empty phrases like the the pagans or the whoever do. Right. right. It's like you 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 need to pray from your heart mm-hmm. and God needs to see your heart in prayer. However, mm-hmm. that takes place and however that works, that's what that's what needs to happen. Right. Right. So that prayer is powerful. And especially during Lent, we use this time to to sort of collect ourselves. Big time. Yeah. And so. You know, uh, the the third one I, I want to talk about is the third one that Jesus mentions in, the, in in order. First, he talks about you know teaching about almsgiving, then teaching about prayer, and then starting in uh, at verse sixteen in chapter six, he talks about fasting. Mm-hmm. And fasting is powerful. It really is. And most people don't fast. I wonder why that is. Because it's hard. Same. You think it's the same thing as the uh, prayer thing? They just you know, get caught up in their own world. Uh, n- I think fasting is a little different and, and, and I can only just judge on my own feelings. You know, mm-hmm. what makes it so hard for me is that I think we live, I mean, we're accustomed to 
literally a luxurious form of life. I mean, we have everything we need. Mm-hmm. We are satiated. We are inundated, right? And it's so easy for us to be, and, and we're we're all tending to be overweight. I mean, we just we, we just have a lot. We have a lot sure. of stuff. We have a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And so then when you try to tell your body not to have that stuff that we become very accustomed to, and I might even say use the word addicted. I mean, it, we are driven now by, uh, you know, I'll be looking at my watch going, okay, it's time to eat. Sure. You know, and and for some reason, I'll keep looking at my watch. Like, if dinner is a little later than usual, right? Because your body's accustomed to eating. You know, when you say that, too, if you think about our society, it, it's it's almost like you can't escape it. It's around you no matter where you go. Oh, yeah, everything, food, you know? indulgences. Everything is in, in terms of like... Yeah, there's foodies, there's a oh, yeah. whole food network. I mean, oh, yeah. you can't oh, yeah. escape it. Oh, yeah. And uh, what do we see? Uh, you know, they're building up for, you know, Valentine's Day. Indulge yourself. You know, and all the chocolates and all that kind of stuff. And right. It's really just constantly. And, of course, have it your way and uh, yeah. Burger King and all these things. And, and, and we're told to eat. It's time to eat. So that makes it a big challenge, too, I would think. Makes it very difficult. But, again, I think... Some of the problems are that people don't realize the power of the fast. Mm-hmm. And where does that power come from? Mm-hmm. Here, and here's where I want to kind of just deviate just a little bit. And I want to use another go to another scripture that we always hear in the Lenten time. And, and that's uh, the fourth chapter of Matthew's gospel. Okay. Right. And so st- beginning with the fourth chapter of Matthew, Matthew's gospel, verse one, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards, he was hungry. Now, I love Scripture when it's like... <laughs> Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. You think he, he was, was hungry? He was hungry. You think, huh? that, was, that is like the the, the largest, uh, you know, understatement ever in history. <laughs> but it's 40 days and 40 nights. But stop yeah. and think about this for a second. The biggest test in eternity, really... Is will God succumb to the devil? I mean, that would have changed everything. Yeah. Right? And of course, we know the outcome, and we know God cannot succumb to the God is far superior to the devil, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yet that temptation, what does Jesus do? Now, I would guarantee that as you were growing up, Gloria, your mom, yeah. would say, Tommy? You know, you got a big test okay, for all you listeners out there. Don't she say never that. said that. Okay, whatever. I'm just imagining. Might things. have been Thomas. Okay, Thomas. That was when I was in trouble. Very well. Okay, but even so, yeah. You know, you got that big test. Yeah. In the morning, so you need to get up early, and you need to you need to brush your teeth, and you need right. But you need, eat a good you need breakfast. To eat a good breakfast. Right. Right. And if and and when you were going and uh, working out for football. Oh, so yeah. this is the Tom Dorian moment here. Working out for football, did the, did the coach say, "Now you guys need to lay off all of your uh, carbohydrates. Don't eat anything. Don't." No. No, of course not. You're eating anything you can get your hands on. That's off. right, because you're getting ready to sweat it all out, and you need to have all that energy, and you know that's all important stuff. Big time. And so when you have a big test, a big trial, a big event, we fill ourselves right. with nourishment. And here's Jesus doing the opposite. He did the opposite. Mm-hmm. How did he prepare for his test? He fasted. By, by emptying himself. And you stop and think, well, why is that? There, in that little bit, is where you find the power of the fast. Mm-hmm. The power of the fast is not you. You've emptied yourself. Mm-hmm. You've emptied yourself of anything that is not God, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you now receive the strength and the power and the authority of God. 
That's power. That is power. That's beautiful. And that's what the fast does. And so doing fasting in our own uh, fasting in our in our world is is uh, it's so I don't know. It's just not cool to do anymore. Right. And you hear don't people don't talk about like, well, I was just fasting. So something that would be helpful to me and maybe some other listeners out there is tell us what a fast is. How does the church? Well, tell us to fast. Okay, so the just. church has to have rules, right, right, about how things work, and so and and it because they be don't long. tell us to go in the desert for forty days. No, they don't, and actually make it quite easy. Right. Essentially, in a nutshell, it's you just limit yourself to one sort of basic meal a day, mm-hmm. and you can have two smaller meals that, when added together, don't add up to that meal. Right. I mean, that's not so tough, is it? it well, in today's world, it is, but it's doable, is what you're saying. Yeah, but it helps you with discipline. Sure. You're essentially trying to master your body. I, I was looking at my, uh, in my, I was doing my liturgy of the hours this morning in the morning prayers, and there was an intercession, and it said this, deliver us from evil and from slavery to the senses, which blinds us to goodness. That's a prayer. We, we, we prayed, the, the universal church prayed this morning. That's perfect. And realized that slavery to the senses, that's what blinds us from goodness. If we want to have goodness, we need to uh, overcome, we need to master our senses. Right. And not be slaves to our senses. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing in the desert. Right. He was mastering his senses. He was mastering his body and essentially emptying himself of all that we would think that common wisdom would tell us, oh, this is going to give you strength, realizing that God is his strength. Sure. Right. And of course, he's God. And so we empty ourselves and let God fill us. Christ Jesus, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, God, the Father. You know, to to allow God to fill us and anything can happen. And so doing the prayer and the fasting and the almsgiving is a powerful thing for Catholics to do, especially during Lent. We focus on that. But just to know all these things, to spend time doing these things and to really kind of dig in and say, you know what? I have no problem giving a little bit of money here. And, uh, yeah, I'll say my prayers. I don't like to do the fasting thing (laughs) to kind of this is a this is a trifecta and do it all. It's a trifecta, and I, I I think it's like a tripod. You know, if you put a camera on a tripod and you take one of the legs out, what happens to the camera? Oh, it's going to fall over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think this is really the tripod of especially a spiritual renewal in your life. Oh, yeah. And so Lent's the perfect time for renewal to stop and, and reflect. And if you're not doing fasting, you know, start with a subtle thing like a power fast where you just pass, fast up until dinner or whatever. Right. Just missing a meal. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Very, Prayer, very. fasting, and almsgiving. Amen. They are the keys to spiritual success in life, aren't they? Amen. Yes, sir. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Look kindly, Lord, we pray on the devotion of your people, that those who by self-denial are restrained in body may by the fruit of good works be renewed in mind. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.